Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, February 14th. I'm your host, Terry Aranga. The right of all people to make their own personal health care choices in their healing process, to have that right in the fullest sense of the word, with access to the broadest range of health care options, practitioners, treatments, and truthful information. We're talking about the National Health Freedom Coalition and what the health freedom movement means to your child with autism. My guest today is Diane Miller, Minnesota attorney and the legal and public policy director of the National Health Freedom Coalition and the National Health Freedom Action. Today we are celebrating the collaboration of the Health Freedom Expos and Autism One, which includes Autism One SoCal at Health Freedom Expo in Long Beach, a full complement of speakers over three days on topics about biomedical intervention, complementary alternative intervention, education, and advocacy in the autism arena presented at the Health Freedom Expo. What are the National Health Freedom Coalition, the Expos, and why is it so important and hopeful that health freedom and autism advocates move forward together? Happy Valentine's Day, Diane. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, and same to you. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Well, Diane, when you and I grew up, I would venture to say that we were socialized into thinking all was well in our healthcare world. I didn't hear a peep about health freedom. Why not? Well, I think in probably in your generation as well as mine, um, our parents thought doctors know best, and um, there was this quickly emerging technological culture, and so whenever anything was invented in the industrial world, it was like, oh, this is great. We have washing machines. We have penicillin. We have plug-in lights and everything, and so there was this great, um, you know, um, honoring of all of the wonderful benefits that were coming into our culture very, very quickly, and I think one of the people that was most trusted in that culture was the doctor, the doctor that used to ride around to all the houses, and then they built hospitals, and they, they just thought doctors know best, and they would have the proper information, and, and the miracles that they, they did, the quick miracles, um, gave them that position and held it there for many years. Yeah, I uh, I would tend to agree with your eloquent assessment, and I remember watching Masterpiece Theater growing up, and Please, everybody, forgive me if I don't get these quite right, but 
One company was advertising better living through chemistry, and I think another was, you know, Merck, expect great things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, that's right. There was It was just a, such a new revolution of, of um, exploring that, I mean, people just were so grateful for the relief that they got from the hard labor, cars and, and everything. It was just such a change in their lifestyle that they were so grateful for. Um, that they didn't think about it as going down the wrong path in terms of the eventual destruction of a species. They didn't, they didn't think, well, okay, if we go down this path, then eventually we'll get weaker and, and eventually we'll de be dependent and eventually we'll not have any freedoms. That, that wasn't any of a conversation. So from hamburger helper to the destruction of a species. Hmm. <laughs> I like that. So why is it necessary for this to now be on citizens' radar? What are health freedom rights that are in jeopardy every day? Well, I always break it down uh, for myself as a leader in the health freedom movement as representing the people of the world or the people of the country. Um, you know, who else is there to represent us except ourselves? That's what we as a government think we should be as the people, the government of the people. And so what do we want? We want to choose practitioners that we agree with or that we like. We want to have a choice in practitioners. We want to have accurate information on the products that we buy. And we want to have um, clean air, clean water, good food, you know. And we also want to avoid dangers. We want to avoid drug reactions, and we want to avoid being forced to take toxic drugs. We don't want mercury, fluoride, aluminum. We don't want toxins in our environment, in our in our products. We we don't want hidden information. We don't want genetically modified organisms to be in on the shelf in the grocery store. We don't want smart meters and electronic devices that make our brains have cancer tumors. You know, we 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 have things that we want to be healthy and we have things that we don't want from the industrial revolution. And I think what what we've realized as more of us talk to each other is that there's some downsides happening in our culture. And so the citizens are rising up to make campaigns. Like you you are addressing the autism issue, a major issue with health in the country for children and adults. And we have people that have campaigns to protect so that their practitioners don't go to jail for using uh, natural remedies, and we have petitions for uh, making sure that the genetically modified organisms can have a label on them instead of being hidden. And, and we have uh, campaigns where um, by parents so that their children don't have to have forced chemotherapy by judge order when there's other options available. So we have the citizens rising up saying, you know, here's my story. Here's what happened to me. Here's what's happening to a lot of the people in my country, and let's change this because you know this this going down this path hasn't it's got some deleterious effects. We need to change it. What are we going to do? And so all of these leaders in these different pockets of stories are now converging, going, "Oh my gosh, this is not just one issue. It's a convergence of issues." And we need to really deal with it in order to maintain the health of our country and the people that, of our country. That's exactly it. It's the convergence of issues. So 
the way we were socialized to, you know, expect better living through chemistry or what have you, now we're at a point that for those for those people who even sense that there's a problem, they may not sense that there are various issues um, that are considered disparate issues, but are coming from a same the same place, and and we need to have this convergence of issues. Do you do you see what I'm getting at here? What's the where do the GMOs and the fluoride and the forced vaccination and all of that and Codex, you know, restriction of nutritional supplements where citizens are empowered to keep themselves healthy. Where do all of these intersect? Well, that's the that's one of the roles of our organization that we have taken on in the last ten years. Where, you know, 15 years ago, um, when we were at a capital, I mean, people threw books at us if we even mentioned alternative health. And, you know, and, and people were like, you know, just this is craziness, this is craziness, this, just go do what your doctor says. Not, you're not being harmed by anything. And in the last 15 years, there's been a convergence of these issues. So uh, what our organization has uh, done is to develop a United States Health Freedom Congress. We also had a World Congress uh, one year where we bring organizations together that are working on these different issues so that the leaders can meet each other and hear about that topic and what campaign is going forward and talk about ways that we can communicate together with each other to form a solidarity as a country to turn things around so that a person isn't saying, oh, you know, this is just one issue for me. My child is experiencing this because of this reason. It could be like five other reasons that they've never even heard about. And so um, the convergence of the information getting passed from leaders to leaders and then the leaders can filter it down into the people is really, really important. And that's what we want to contribute is developing, helping the solidarity. And I, I know that the autism um, one uh, people are now going to bring their speakers into the Health Freedom Expo that the Health Keepers Alliance has built up. And the Health, uh, the Health Freedom Expo was founded by Wendell Whitman of Trinity College, and, and he was a, a visionary, and we talked together, and he wanted to have a Health Freedom Expo where you just don't talk about alternative health, but you talk about the freedom issues. And I said, I'm all for it. Let's do it. And I supported that effort. And I have gone every year, of course, to present the legal issues in the health freedom movement. And that expo has grown, and Wendell has passed on now, but his daughter is carrying his work forward, Julie Klein, doing a marvelous job of continuing to increase the number of political health freedom speakers and issues into that expo, and it's growing and growing. And this is just the fact that you are bringing in autism into that health freedom expo is bringing that issue to the forefront, saying this is an issue that could be impacted or impounded by all of these other health freedom issues. So converging these these leaders is really important. And, and even in the Health Freedom Expo in Chicago in June, our organization is going to reconvene the Congress 
uh, the day before the expo of these leaders and hold a formal Congress on building resolutions for solidarity. That's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that, Diane. And as you were saying, if we read books about fluoridation, autism, if we read a book like Animal Factory about factory farming, uh, peanut allergy epidemic, chronic fatigue syndrome, the politics, the parallels, they're so similar. And the, the way that advocacy groups have been treated, but I feel that the powers that be keep us all thinking that we're separate. These are separate diseases. You know, um, mm-hmm. juvenile arthritis is different from juvenile uh, diabetes. It's different from autism. Chronic fatigue syndrome is uh, mm-hmm. another entity. Right. And if we're all kept separated, mm-hmm. we don't join together to be as powerful and helpful as we can be to the citizenry. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's campaigns of fear in the culture. I mean, there's campaigns of naming these things and and having fear and saying there's no cure for this and let's put money towards the cure because this particular disease is like the cancer fear mongering and and they they want you to believe that there is no other cure unless you go to the the money-based pharmaceutical system. And I think that, you know, now even the advertising of the product saying, take this drug in order to prevent yourself from having arthritis or prevent yourself from having a heart attack. I mean, they're going into prevention and giving the teens a, a vaccine so that they can prevent themselves. Um, it's just the money-mongering and the trillions of dollars going to that, that really build fear campaigns so that people put their money towards uh, the resolution of that fear instead of not being afraid and saying, I want a healthy environment, I want healthy food, and and I know that I can heal from this. There are many, many options. So we're, we're trying to, our organization tries to protect the options out there so that if a person does get the courage to step out of that fear and go and look for another option, that they don't have their homeopath in jail or they don't have their herbalist in jail or they don't have their electrodermal screener in jail, that they actually have these options available to them that people can talk about nutrition, they can talk about detoxification, they can talk about, you know, how how the body is a, a a spiritual, energetic, nutrition-based machine for our souls. I mean, they have to they have to step out of fear and really trust that the the body is a miraculous, miraculous indicator of the environment around it. Absolutely, and our primary healthcare option should be to keep healthy in the first place with healthful nutritious food from good soil um, without chemicals, to be able to have access to high-quality nutritional supplements, et cetera, ways to keep ourselves healthy in the first place. And even those things, um, the powers that be attempt to restrict or to degrade um, or to control. And then, as you said, there's the fear, and then they put out their uh, synthetic kinds of preventions that that cause disease, and then we all become busy like gerbils and wheels grappling for pieces of the funding bone for all of these disparate disease entities and organizations. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a system, the system that helps perpetual markets, uh, corporate perpetual markets exist, a system based on fear. 
And, for instance, I had a friend who has an autistic child, and they put a, a smart meter on for metering the water so that they could drive by in their truck and read the meter. And every time the child went into that room, they would have a convulsion. And they didn't, she didn't even didn't know anything about smart meters until one of her friends said, hey, did they put a smart meter on your house? And then they went and said, oh, my gosh. And then she had to try and figure out how to get it off, and she had to go to city council meetings, and she had to get an attorney, and she had to figure out, and then child protection got involved because they thought she wasn't being a good mom. And it was just a terrible scenario of how one aspect of the culture could show that how difficult it is for someone to step out of their fear and take, take the next step. Oh, my goodness, Diane, that was such important information. And we're going to take a break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Before we go to break, Diane, why don't you tell us your website? Our website is www.nationalhealthfreedomalloneword.org. Look that up on the break. Thank you to this program sponsor, OxyHealth. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Diane Miller, Minnesota Attorney and the Legal and Public Policy Director of the National Health Freedom Coalition and the National Health Freedom Action. Diane, before the break, you were telling us about the Congress. Yes, um, our organization is reconvening the United States Health Freedom Congress, and that will take place June 14th in Chicago at the Schomburg Hotel. And what what it is is uh, a number of organizations uh, meeting around a co- Congress table, um, each with uh, a microphone, and there's a moderator and documentarians and building resolutions for solidarity. And we will be convening that June 14th and wanted people to know we're now assembling the uh, organizations that will be around the table, and then there will be... Um, room in the room for observers to watch the Congress. 
Well, that's exactly what you need. That's exactly what we all need. So thank you so much for doing that. As the vision of the National Health Freedom Coalition, you say a healthy nation with empowered people making informed health care decisions. This is your vision. So let's break this down. Are we a healthy nation? Do we have empowered people who have the tools to make informed health care decisions? Are you asking me that question? I am. <laughs> Are we a healthy nation? I don't think so. We have a lot of work to do. Um, our vision is a healthy nation, but I do think that our nation is suffering from the quick growth of the Industrial Revolution. And I, I think we need to realize the impact of that and the impact of the rise of corporate power within our midst as a, a country that originally started out saying we want to be of the people, by the people, for the people. And we have to realize how the corporate structure impacts that, given that they are completely um, involved in producing uh, products that impact our health. Okay, but let's, let's take a step back. In the first question, we talked about mm, sort of a benign rise of industrialism, things that, were, that seemed helpful. How did we get from the benign availability of hamburger helper to the insidious situation of trying not to be microchipped? Well, I think that as corporations develop, um, they kept thinking, oh, what else could I do? I built a washing machine. Now what else can I do? And as the corporate expansion happened, they thought, oh, health, that's always going to be there, and food, that's always going to be there. How can um, we get more for, you know, how can we get a product that we have a lot of sales for that people would like to have. And so they started developing drugs. They started developing new food products that people would be enticed to buy. And the, so they realized that the people themselves are the source of the marketing for these products. And, and people are, are willing to give money to be comfortable and to get rid of suffering. So they started, it's kind of like a, a piranha where you're, you're you're grabbing at the people to give you your corporate profits, and so the people eventually started started realizing that that you know they can have everything they always wanted and still not be healthy or happy. Oh, okay, what happened here? I'm still not healthy or happy. I have all the money in the world, and I'm still dying. What what's going on? And so the next part about that is, are we empowered people? Do we still have the ability to critically think, to sacrifice, and to not have things to comfort us in order to, you know, when we're critically thinking, do we want to say, okay, um, thank you for asking, but I don't think I want my smart meter. I don't want a smart meter on house. Or, Thank you for asking, but I don't want to force my child to have chemotherapy. I would rather go to Switzerland and have microdosing of chemotherapy because that's too much of a dose in the United States. Well, when we figured out that we, we are trying to go backwards and have our choice and not do something, that's when we realized that laws had been gradually put in place that didn't allow us to have our choice anymore. So are we empowered? No. We have lost a lot of personal freedoms by by laws that have been put in place to take our freedoms away. And part of what I do is I work to 
take back some of those, like, you know, take back laws. We write safe harbor laws to protect the natural health practitioners. We write laws about making sure that it's, um, we have a bill in Congress right now that says if you're telling something truthful about something, a, a testimonial about a product, you don't go to jail for, usually the FDA does not let you do the FTC does not let you give testimonials and health claims about something curing you. And so we're trying to say, no, 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 testimonials are legal. So we're actually having to spend time as a, as a people taking back our freedoms that were taken away legally in the language of the law. Right. It's been quite insidious. And part of having the tools to make informed health care decisions uh, would be something like, you know, fully informed consent by, uh, in, in the vaccination area, by knowing exactly what side effects, ha- adverse, excuse me, adverse effects have occurred and to what degree. But when you have a healthcare culture, a, you know, a mainstream medical culture that categorically dismisses that vaccines, which are a consumer product, could have cause adverse effects, these adverse effects often don't get reported, and then the figures are skewed, and then you don't have fully informed consent because you don't really know, have all the information that you need to go into your decision. Right, and, you know, I used to be a childbirth educator, a Lamaze educator, and I attended many, many births and was a doula before I became an attorney. And, you know, when I think about a mom and dad and they're in the hospital, they've just had a baby and somebody comes in with a vaccine, they may lay those federal forms of what there's adverse effects forms federally. They may lay them or put them in a parent packet or something like that, but there's no conversation with the patient. And so that's true at the state fair. They'll be having lineups of vaccines and they'll have the forms laying there on the table. Nobody reads those forms. It's like there's no conversation anymore because there's a system. People trust that system. Oh, yeah, here I have this new little baby. Sure, do what you think is best for them. So that the parents are sometimes not given the information, not discussed it with them. And so, yes, they have to, but the system itself, the way it's geared up, is is not conducive for that conversation. And secondly, then if they do start questioning it, they get shamed they get prodded, and and they get treated differently. And the, the other thing is, like, for instance, we worked on a bill in Minnesota to make sure that when when there's something that's going out from a school that says no shots, no school, uh, they can't do that anymore. They have to say, you know, here's what you need for your vaccinations. And on the same piece of paper, it has to have the exemptions. You are hereby exempt. And we had to put that in law. We had to say it has to be on the same piece of paper in the same font thing so that the parents know that they can opt out if they want to for medical, philosophical, or religious reasons. So so what they do, we thought that that meant the front side of the paper. Well, this year they changed it and they said, well, it's on the same piece of paper, but it's just on the back. You know, so the, aggress- the aggressiveness of the system and the people that work for it to put their agenda on parents is very strong and parents have to be strong critical thinkers and when they become strong and critical thinkers that's when the agency of child protection 
agencies come in and start questioning them for being questioning, critically thinking Americans. That's the, the real dilemma that we're in right now is we should not be punished for being critical thinkers because that's what freedom is based on, enlightened people. Jefferson said, you cannot have a country based on democracy if you do not have an educated, enlightened people. That doesn't work. It becomes a dictatorship. I love it. Oh, my gosh. That was wonderful. That was really wonderful. Well, I have one of my other favorite quotes here. What Diane uh, said is going to go um, down as one of my favorite quotes. And, um, of course, you were quoting Jefferson. But here's another one that, that listeners have heard over and over again, and this relates to, are we a healthy nation? So, according to a 2011 academic pediatrics report, an estimated 43% of U.S. children, 32 million, currently have at least one of 20 chronic health conditions assessed, increasing to 54.1% when overweight, obesity, or being at risk for developmental delays are included. That certainly does not sound like a healthy nation to me, Diane. True. You're right. And it's up to the parents to turn that around, but they can't just turn it around with being parents, they have to turn it around with being freedom activists. Absolutely. And that and is... that's a lot to put on your plate when you're dealing with parenting. Why should we have to worry, but we do? You know, you know what? That's absolutely right. It has been that parents who should just be, who, who have children with autism and chronic illnesses should just be able to devote their energy to, um, you know, working on remediating that. Um, however, they have been put in the position of having to become, you know, virtual legislators, virtual attorneys, virtual school administrators, uh, virtual um, nurses, etc., because the powers that be don't provide those resources for them uh, and are not there advocating for the best of the children. I think it has to do with having a lag, a period of time in our the, the development of our nation where people, citizens, went to sleep at the wheel. You know, when I was a kid, my dad would go down to the local town hall for political meetings every week. And we, we, were, we were farmers, and all the farmers around there got together, and they'd, have politi- they'd talk about politics just like they did in Europe, you know. They would, you know, they were political engagers. And for a while, I think we didn't do that. Well, we know in uh, Congressman Burton's Mercury and Medicine report, the FDA was asleep at the switch with regard to mercury. So that wasn't a good time for citizens to be asleep at the wheel. And, um, you know, you were talking about uh, pediatrician visits. And uh, if parents do know to ask, they get told things like, it's just a little bit of mercury. And is that like a little bit of cyanide, a little bit of anthrax? (laughs) What's a little bit of poison? One of the things that really irritated me when I first uh, began researching the mercury issue is that there was a legal definition of mercury-free. And I figured, okay, that means there's no mercury in it. And they go, oh, no, 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 that just means that there's a less amount. And I'm going, what? You have a legal definition that says mercury-free, but that means there's still mercury in it? Are you kidding me? I mean, how did that happen? How did we let that happen in the law? 
that that would make us the land of the somewhat free, I That's guess. That's right. That's like saying GMO free, but oh, there's only like part of this stuff is only GMO. It's like, oh, are you kidding? So we really need to be like hawks, watching the language and going in. And one of my biggest visions is that citizens write laws. So I always say when I'm doing a training, have you ever written a law? Well, write one down and take it to your senator and have them pass it. And and it can be anything. It can be, um, I want mercury-free to be changed in the definition. Or I want, uh, you know, that a nurse has to... Um, orally talk to you about the federal uh, vaccination waivers instead of just laying them on your bedside stand in the hospital. I mean, I'd say, you know, draft a law, take it into your center to say, what do you think of this? Because this is a problem. This always happens. Because that's what the beauty of our country still is, is that citizens make laws. People can make laws in the United States. That's why we're such a powerful country. The potential we have in our country is profound if it's utilized. Excellent. We've got to take back the language, and we'll talk about that more when we come back from break at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, OxyHealth. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On mind, brain, and body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health, and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. 
We're back with Diane Miller, Legal and Public Policy Director of the National Health Freedom Coalition and the National Health Freedom Action. Diane, I'm going to ask you to share your website with listeners again. Great. It's www.nationalhealthfreedom, all one word, .org. Thank you. Very good, and a very interesting website. Well, before the break, we were talking about the power of language, and often parents are marginalized. Parents of children who have autism are marginalized when they try to advocate for their children, as well they should. But instead of being called educated parents, we're called difficult parents. And, you know, we are all educated. We've educated ourselves in so many issues. Um, There are also parents in the autism community who are, in fact, doctors and lawyers and can go up against any of uh, the powers of these doctors and lawyers. But that's one example of how language can be used in a marginalizing manner. Diane, I'm going to ask you what you think autism is. Wow. I, I think autism is a convergence of all of these issues. And I know that that sounds terrible, but sometimes I think that... Um, People have to realize that it's a complex issue and that there, it can be energetic, it can be uh, nutritional, it can be environmental, it can be prenatal, it can be postnatal, it can be trauma. And there's, there's so many ways that the, our environment has been impacted quickly over these years, in these short years. I think it's a convergence of many things, and that's why I think it's important that I had a I had a, a friend um, that I met in the political arena, and she had a child that um, was vaccine damaged autism, and she was uh, a quadriplegic for uh, 17 years, and then she found a product that actually the mother gave her, and she was able to hold her. Um, her bowel movements for the first time in 17 years. Oh, and yeah. it was so exciting, and she ended up be, be, you know, distributing this product to all of her friends. And then um, when we went to the legislature, um, she went to testify, and the legislator says, well, can your daughter testify? And the mother said, well, she's never talked before. And the legislators, the senator said, well, would you like to bring her up to the microphone and we can all have silence for three minutes. And we did. And that mother was fighting for the right to use that product and not be charged with practicing medicine without a license or doing something bad that the doctors didn't approve of. And she was fighting for our safe harbor bill in Minnesota. And a courageous, courageous mother. But she, she, she had to take the risk of all of the negative feedback by utilizing this one particular group of products to get the nutrients into the cell level of her child's brain. And she didn't know about it, and she found out about it, and she tried it. Why should she be punished for doing that instead of taking a drug? I'm really touched by that story. Well, I agree, uh, Diane, that, uh, that there are many things underlying Autism. Autism is just a diagnostic label. It's a diagnostic label for underlying physiological issues. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at the different interventions um, that have been used for other health conditions, then we see that it's really 
logical to use them for quote-unquote autism because autism is comprised of the same such underlying physiological issues. And that's why it's so important to have access to any helpful modalities. And what the powers that be have done is they have put this diagnostic label out there and then said, there are no such treatments for autism, but they're not looking at the underlying physiological conditions and they make us fight tooth and nail to, to connect the dots with these underlying physiological conditions. I have a friend, a dear friend, who works in the realm of homeopathy and they're saying, you know, and they're not treated, they, excuse me, they are not um, talking to people about alphabet soup, you know, do you have this acronym diagnosis, diagnostic label, or that acronym diagnostic label, and goodness gracious, what's the DSM-4 or DSM-5 going to relabel the kids as tomorrow? We're looking at the person. What's going on with the person? You know, there's another saying, when in doubt, examine the patient. (laughs) Although, you know, uh, in homeopathy, we're, we're talking about clients, but what is going on with that individual, with that person, and what are the symptoms telling us about the underlying conditions? Yes, yes, and that is exactly right. Looking at the whole picture is absolutely essential right now in every single health case. The doctors are seeing patients for three to five minutes. They're getting symptoms. They're, they're, they're giving out drugs, but what it really takes to get someone well is to look at their whole system, their whole, their family, their environment, their their life, their prenatal everything. There, I mean, there's there's children that are affected by the high levels of mercury when they're born because the umbilical cord has the high level of mercury of a mom with silver fillings, with mercury fillings in her mouth. I mean, you think about how hard it's been to get dentists. They they put dentists out of business that were telling people that mercury was toxic. I mean, Dr. Hannes in, in Iowa lost his license for telling, mercury, telling people mercury is toxic to your body. But that mercury leaching into the body is, the, and the conventional people say, no, no, it doesn't. I'm going, how can you put mercury in your mouth and not have it go somewhere else in your body? And now they're finding that the umbilical cord has mercury in it of the first baby. And, you know, what, what does that, you have to look at everything that's going on with that person, that family, and that child's experience of coming into the universe. And the homeopaths are very good at listening into patterns. And so they're extremely essential and so are naturopaths. There are some really wonderful naturopaths that can take the whole picture into, you know, consideration when they're trying to get the wellness. So the, the autism diagnosis or the chronic fatigue diagnosis or the HIV, you know, all of those diagnostics are ways to get perpetual markets for a drug to, you know, and it also is fear-mongering. In my opinion, you have to have a lot more breadth of understanding. And I I personally, and this is just me personally, not from National Health or even Coalition, but I try to avoid diagnostics almost of any kind unless it's a plumbing diagnostic like a heart attack or something like that where you need to have surgery because I really, 
appreciate allopathic medicine to stop a process of keeping someone alive. So, Well, Diane, thank you so much for this. And, and right before we go to break, how do you feel, uh, and this now is the National Health Freedom Coalition, how do you feel the National Health Freedom Coalition uh, can help families who are touched by an autism diagnosis? I think we can help by making sure that their options are out there if they become seekers. Um, we protect the right of practitioners of complementary and alternative medicine to practice. We protect the right of medical doctors to go outside of their conventional training to try, you know, to get some new information into the person. We try and um, monitor. We're tracking about... Um, a thousand bills right now in the United States impacting health freedom, and we try to get the word out if there is a bad bill that would affect our freedoms and to, you know, bills that ban our freedom of speech, bills that ban our ability to get accurate information. So we are trying to make sure that they have freedom of information, freedom of practitioners, freedom of the truth, and to, to monitor and stop bills that would make our world more toxic. Well, thank you so much for keeping on top of that. And we will be right back from break with Diane Miller here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, OxyHealth. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Diane Miller, Legal and Public Policy Director of the National Health Freedom Coalition and the National Health Freedom Expo. And Diane will be speaking at the Health Freedom Expo in Long Beach, California on Friday, March 2nd, about state and federal bills. So please do stop in to see her there. Diane, can you tell us about the case of State versus Saunders that you defended? Uh, yes, that, that was in 1993 to 96. Um, there was a farmer in Minnesota who was providing uh, raw colostrum from cows on his farm to very sick people that had immune system issues and cancer. And many people were getting well. 
and the state charged him with fraud um, and also with the practice of medicine without a license. And so there were two of us attorneys on the case. I was the assistant attorney, and the chief public defender, Calvin Johnson, was the director. And we did the case pro bono for three and a half years. That farmer had been cured, um, um, Berkeley former Congressman Berkeley Bedell of Lyme's disease. And um, it became a very political case. We worked on it for three years. I could not believe the amount of suppression of cancer cures that happened um, that I learned about on that case. And um, we, we got a hung jury the first trial, and then there was an appeal, and then we got another hung jury because the people were not willing to put someone that hadn't harmed anybody in jail. And the definition of the practice of medicine was anything you do to prevent, cure, or treat a person of any illness, wound, fracture, deformity, or defect of any person. And if you don't have a license, you go to jail. And so I know that one of the one of the jury people was a school teacher and said, you know, if I put a Band-Aid on a child's knee or my grandmother chicken soup could actually be considered practicing medicine without a license and could go to jail. And I'm not going to uphold that law. And so we got another hung jury and then they withdrew all the charges. But it was four years and the county spent over a million dollars trying to put this young, this farmer in jail. So, oh my goodness. And we so don't we, have to... So one of the things our organization does is we try and work to pass safe harbor laws, and that that law to put, to put people in jail that are practicing medicine without a license is in almost every state. And right now we have passed, um, eight states have the safe harbor freedom law. I know Texas went forward uh, last year but did not make it through committee, but we have helped um, 25 different states try and get an exemption from those practice of medicine statutes. And nobody really... Parents don't realize that people are afraid to give them information because of the way the laws are written, so they just figure it's because it doesn't work. But no, it's because if if you say it works, it's oftentimes fraud or a criminal charge. Wow. Well, thank you so much for working on that, and I'm I'm glad that uh, logic and reason prevailed. How can listeners help the National Health Freedom Coalition? Well, I think that if I think listeners can become American citizens and become involved in the political process. And we really try and train and teach people how to be political, whether it's at their school, their hospital, their local government, their state government, or federal. Um, We encourage people to become, on some level that fits in with their daily life, politically active, whether they are in just you know, because many people kind of let it up to other people because they have busy lives. And I think that that's where our country gets into trouble. I think we need to have every citizen on deck now to save the health of our nation. That's great. Every citizen on deck now to save the health of our nation. Excellent. Diane, I want to thank you so much for bringing these issues together for us here today. You're welcome. It was just my great honor to be with you, and thank you for all your wonderful work with Autism One. I'm just so glad that you have such an expansive understanding and vision of the problem. 
Oh, and you as well. And I'll see you in Long Beach. Yes, that'll be fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking For listeners new... Excuse me? Looking forward to it. <laughs> me too. And your talk is on Friday, March 2nd, and you will be talking about state and federal bills. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, sure, I do. Um, I track a lot of legislation, and whenever a citizen group gets together in a state and they are wanting information, they find our website, and we try to coach them through being at their capital. Sometimes we go and testify for hearings. We draft language for them, and I will be telling people what are some of the biggest issues we've been hearing from citizens, where they're at in their process, um, some of the bills that we've defeated soundly, and some of the bills that we're supporting. That's going to be so important. And parents, you're your child's best expert and advocate. And the information that Diane is going to be sharing is so important for you to help preserve the health and rights of your child. So, Diane, again, thank you so much. You're welcome. And for listeners new to the Expos, the Health Freedom Expo is a nonprofit organization sponsored by the HealthKeepers Alliance. Year-round, the HealthKeepers Alliance works to defeat restricting legislation that limits positive health freedom choices and awareness. Their primary intention is to protect consumers' rights and defend practitioners who use natural and nutritional cures and to create full awareness of what health and wellness choices are available. The Health Freedom Expo is going to bring together excellent natural health information to the public and really crucial information such as Diane Miller of the National Health Freedom Coalition will be sharing. We want to give a shout-out to Julie Whitman-Klein, CEO of the Health Freedom Expo, and Tim Bolin of the Bolin Report for reaching out to Autism One to start a historic collaboration where the health freedom and autism communities can work together which will exponentially increase the reach of the good healing information for the kids and families. So um, to get more information about the Expo, please go to the website, www.healthfreedomexpo.com, to register. This will include Autism One SoCal at Health Freedom Expo, which is a full complement of speakers over three days on topics about biomedical intervention, complementary alternative intervention, education, and advocacy in the autism arena. My guest next week is Kenny Sailors, talking about the antioxidant properties of aronia berries, and they're wonderful. Thank you to this program sponsor, Oxy Health, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.